This is a mission-focused life with Tim Olofsson, co-founder and executive director of Another Child Foundation. Up next, Tim will speak with this week's special guest, offering special insights on how you can live a mission-focused life. Welcome, everyone. This is a mission-focused life, and I am your host, Tim Olofsson. I am so glad to have you all join us today, and I hope this podcast helps you along your faith journey. Today, we have a very special guest. Our guest is Mike Duras. Mike is the president, CEO, and co-founder of Orphan Outreach based in uh, Plano, Texas. And it's good to have you today, Mike. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. Thank you, Tim, for inviting me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to get people who are, who are like-minded, who really love uh, serving other people. And uh, when I decided to do this podcast, I knew I had you on my list to, uh, to invite as one of our first guests. So it's good to have you here, Mike. Um, I know we kind of got together indirectly uh, as you went to visit Romania. I think it was in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got invited by Buckner Dallas or Buckner International to go over there and, and look for a, a center, a day center. So you can kind of share with us what your experience there in Romania was like when you started? Yeah, we, in fact, in uh, when I was, I was vice president of uh, Buckner International and we started the international ministry about 1995 and Romania was one of the first three countries we visited. And it was right after the fall of Soviet Union and uh, it revealed just the ter- horrific conditions of orphanages in Romania. And much of that was publicized by uh, reporting as they went into the orphanage and saw the poor conditions of the children there. And so Buckner, we started uh, right away working in uh, Russia and, uh, and also in Romania. And we felt like uh, we were learning as we went along because Buckner obviously had a long history of childcare back in 1879. Uh, with children's homes and really the whole continuum of care, but we hadn't really worked internationally. And so uh, this was a new experience for us. And what we saw just, as I said, horrified us. And so we started doing ministries and mission trips through the, through the nineties. And then, um, then the time you, you referred to, we were looking for a way to have a, have an impact on the gypsy community and, uh, and so we started looking at potential models, but also places that we would, uh, that we would consider ministry. So I actually retired from Buckner after 22 years in 2007. So just before my retirement, a couple of years before the retirement, uh, we, went, uh, we went and looked at, a, at uh, one of the villages there of you know, where we might be able to, to do ministry, talk to the mayor, he had a building that he had um, uh, had designated that we could use if we wanted to remodel it. And uh, actually, we just started the project as I retired and, uh, and started Orphan Outreach. And, uh, and, the, and really, it grew after I had left. And so um, and, and now is a vibrant ministry uh, that, that falls under your ministry and and Dacian leads it and is just a tremendous leader and is doing an amazing job with that ministry. I mean, it was kind of, it's kind of neat to see where I was in the beginning of something and then to see what God did with it 
without me being involved is just just shows you how irrelevant we are. Yeah. Yeah. So that center is now known as the Point of Hope Center. Maybe the, the listeners probably know it as the Point of Hope Center. But when you visited, it was just a shell of a building. Anything of any value, all the wood, electrical, uh, plumbing and all of that had been torn out. And it was pretty much just a shell of a building, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was like a bombed out building, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing what, how the how governments are willing to give you buildings that are of no use to anybody else. Uh, I'm waiting for the government to, to actually offer a building that's in great shape. Uh, <laughs> hadn't happened yet, but yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it just it's a testimony to God's grace how much He loved the people in that village um, to to bring together believers to make that possible. So uh, my, my hats are off to you and, and pray, and pray for y'all's ministry all the time yeah. uh, that it continues to flourish and have impact. Yeah, we appreciate that. And it's really all about impact. So we, we talk a lot about in another child foundation, reach, teach and transform. And that's, you know, we can do the reaching, we can do the teaching, but it's God that does the transformation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we see happening within that that same gypsy village. Mike, if you went back there, you probably wouldn't recognize the village. Still have more growth that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But from where we started to where we are today, uh, all credit goes to, to God first, but uh, to the staff in Romania who remains dedicated to these kids. Yeah. Um, well, before we get into some of the more meat of what we're going to talk about today, tell us a little bit more about your family, Mike. Um, Uh, Well, been uh, married 47 years, going to be 48 years this year. So we're coming up on the big (laughs) 5-0, as you can tell by my my gray white hair uh, that I've been around a while. I've been doing ministry and orphan care for about, oh, golly, close to 50 years now. So it's uh, I'm kind of toward the end of the journey uh, doing orphan care. We have three wonderful kids um, and um, all grown and We've got, uh, let's say now, three grandkids and, uh, you know, uh, hoping for more, but you never know. It's not our decision. Um, and the kids are spread all over. Our one child is here in Dallas, 10 minutes away, that has two of our grandkids. And we have a daughter and her husband up in Washington, D.C., that uh, work uh, on the Hill and government. And, and, uh, and then one child in New York City. Wow. That's in the uh, more of the television editing and all that uh, kind of work. But um, and just had a recent grandchild. He's uh, not quite a year old yet. So okay. uh, uh, so it's, you know, I'm blessed beyond measure. Um, I married up and uh, <laughs> have reaped the benefits of that for 47 years. <laughs> yeah. When you're when you're involved in a ministry that you know takes a lot of time and attention, uh, it's good to have that support from a wife mm-hmm. or from a spouse uh, that really supports what you're doing and uh, encourages you. I'm sure that's something yeah. she has done for you, and my wife does for me too. Absolutely, and yeah. and and you know she's been on mission trips with me. Anita has, and and the kids all participate in our ministry. Uh, we all pitched in as a family and built a building on our campus in Kenya uh, for the school there. And to watch the kids now giving away, uh, giving in ministry and participating is, is uh, boy, you can't put words to what a blessing that is. Yeah. All of my kids have traveled with my, 
our mission teams too. It's one of the biggest joys I've had on any of the mission trips is seeing my kids involved mm-hmm. uh, in, in spreading the gospel to children. It's yeah. powerful, powerful. It is. Yeah. Well, you've developed a pretty good um, program down, Orphan Outreach down in uh, the Dallas area. Um, but what I guess one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit today was, so as you involve both your staff, um, obviously the children you're supporting and the other people in uh, the countries in which you work, uh, what excites you about just that, that daily life or helping them and encouraging them to live a daily life that's what I call a mission-focused life um, based on the skills and passions that God has put in them? Does it, that excite you like it does me? Oh, it's, you know, uh, you know, I think is when we're younger, we, I think, and I know I was this way, you're looking at what God's going to do in your life. In other words, what's he, what kind of impact can your life have on other people? And it's really more egocentric focus. You know, it's God working through me and everybody around me then is a piece of how they help me do the work, you know? And um, as you get older, you realize that it is the body of Christ, that, that you're just one cog, cog in, in, a, in a big, ministry and purpose of God. And, and you have to be faithful in that. And, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 to me are really, really great verses. And, you know, we, we focus on uh, uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 8, 9, where we or 10, where we say, you know, we're saved by grace through faith and that it's not of works. And we kind of focus on that part of the, the verses. But we then the next verse says that, that he has prepared your works ahead of time so that you may walk in them. And so God not only gives us salvation through grace, but he gives our purpose in life and what he wants us to do on this earth as well. And I feel like he not only calls us to a, to a ministry, but he also calls those he wants us to work with to accomplish those goals. And I will tell you that I've gotten more joy out of seeing what God is doing in other people's lives than he is even in mine. Uh, when I, you know, we have staff that uh, in our orphan ministry that, that I've worked with for two decades or more, uh, one for about 25 years. And, and they're all smarter, brighter, and more talented than me. And it's amazing to see how we all complement one another to accomplish this purpose and to see uh, the joy it brings when you see someone who uses their gifts and has impact and has connection that I know, Tim, you've had and everybody in ministry has personally had. When someone else has that, it brings as much joy, if not more, uh, to me and, and seeing them fulfill what God wants them to do in their life. Yeah. And I think the one word you used in there is connection. I love that word connection because I believe totally that for people to identify and to use the passions God has given them, has blessed them with, uh, they need to be connected to the spirit because it's, it's the spirit that's going to unveil to you, reveal to you what you need to be doing. If you're just out there searching on your own, you might be searching for a long time. You may stumble upon it, but uh, God is there, right there, willing. And right. the Spirit is, He wants to, to unveil this to you so you can get going in the work that which God has called you 
uh, to do. Amen. So That's I always encourage right. people that you got to be spiritually connected. Uh, that doesn't mean just doing a devotional and stuff. It means truly being in conversation, being in a connection, in a relationship with the God, with Jesus and the Spirit, uh, that Holy Trinity that just really can move you forward in the direction which you probably want to go. But without that connection, it, you'll you'll just swim around in, in waters for a long time. Mm-hmm. Looking True. Through. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the words that we use here, and I like to get people's definition. So when, if I was to ask you, how do you define the word mission or missions? How, how do you define mission? Um, that's a really profound question. I mean, you know, if you ask 10 people, you may get 10 different answers to that, to what the definition of mission is. Um, I think, you know, I, I look at it, you know, as uh, three major areas. Um, one is it's Christ-centered. Uh, a lot of the work we do with orphans, people who are not believers can do. Uh, and they care just as much for the kids and, and all that. But what makes our mission different is Christ, that we're doing it to glorify him, to be his hands and feet because he's father of the fatherless. And, and we're doing it through his power. He's actually doing it through us and provides in every way. So it's everything we do is related to Christ. And that's what makes it different from other types of humanitarian aid, which is good in itself. But what what distinguishes Christian ministry is that it's Christ-centered. The second is what you just said a little while ago, and that is genuine relationship. Missions is relationship. Um, it's, it's, It's really partnering, working with, empowering, uh, with an, with other people uh, from another from another culture or our own culture or whoever, but it's that that relationship that that we bring, and um, and then it's third I think empowering the people you serve. I think sometimes we make the mistake that you know we we're going to be the solution to this person's problems, but the reality is that what we need to be doing is guiding them and solving their own problems. And there's a difference in focus. One's focused on you and what you do. And missions is really more about you empowering and giving them the gift of Jesus Christ so that they can be empowered to to then do ministry themselves, but also meet the needs that they have. So I think missions is really uh, unique. Christian ministry is is unique in that way. Uh, But I think if I was to focus on two things that be Christ-centered and relationship, that those are the things that really uh, define, I think, what Christ has called us to do. Yeah. When you said relationship, it reminded me, um, I was a youth leader um, at a church here um, a few years ago now, just when I was actually starting another child foundation, I was asked to be a youth um, leader for this church. And uh, one of the first things the pastor said to me, you can have all the lock-ins, you can have all the fun activities and things like that, but if you're not in relationship with these kids, then you're not doing ministry. Mm-hmm. Ministry exactly is about right. being in relationship with these kids. You can do all that other stuff, and that's fun. That's the fluff, um, but you need to be in relationship with these kids. And I always mm-hmm. remembered that. But when you said that, it just triggered that yeah. thought because that was pretty wise of him to say that back then. 
just as mm-hmm. you saying it today. So well, kids that we serve, you know, orphan kids are um, they're abandoned. You know, they feel like no one really cares, and they blame themselves. I mean, if you ask a kid why you were in the orphanage, they would say they would think in their mind just something I did wrong, but they all yearn for relationship more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, you can provide them a lot of things, and uh, but but they want genuine relationship, connectivity, somewhere to belong yeah. is, uh, is really what can create healing and hope in, in a kid's life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know Orphan Outreach has a, has a pretty big reach and you can go into a little bit of where you're serving uh, in the places you go. Uh, but I guess one of the questions that I know our listeners might be asking as they kind of try to figure out what they're supposed to do is, how do you decide who you're going to help when there's so much need in the world? How do you decide, okay, we're going to help these children and not these children. I know you probably don't say not these children, mm-hmm. hoping that somebody else will, but how do you decide to, which organization, which place to go and, and help? Well, that's a, oh, that is a difficult question. I mean, we're evaluating that all the time. Yeah. Um, I would say, and I've had that question many times, you know, as, as people kind of journey out and try to decide where they want to serve, how do you make that decision? And I feel like, you know, one, and this uh, I think is, is really key and, and, and is an obvious answer, and that is that God leads you. I think uh, there is a spiritual element to where God plants, either uh, by quote unquote circumstance, who you're connected to, God leads you to places that that uh, you can, you know, you can't even begin to imagine how you got there, but and and you you have to pray that He will guide and direct you. When we started Orphan Outreach, we went to several countries, and I remember you know praying about which countries we would begin working in. And God led us, like in India, for example, we were in India and and I was in Delhi going to a church there and uh, the lead pastor, we asked us to go to lunch. And so we did. And so he said, well, what can I do to help you? And I said, well, if we if we do decide to serve in India, we're going to need someone to lead the ministry. Do you know anybody? And uh, they would do that would work with us. And so he thought a minute and he goes, well, let me give you a call tomorrow. I, I just got to pray about that. And so uh, the next day he calls and he says, hey, there's this business guy that I really didn't think he wanted to do it because he's doing really well business wise and, and all that. But I just out of a whim, I called him and and he uh, he wants to meet you for lunch. So we met for lunch down in Delhi and uh, sat down with his name's Uma. And uh, I began giving him kind of the spiel about orphan outreach and everything. And he just stops me and he says, listen, um, I, my wife and I have felt for a while now that God was wanting me in full-time ministry. I don't know why I'm a business guy, but I just felt like this is where God wants me. And I did, I, we were praying individually the morning the pastor called and doing our devotions. And when we got together, we both had the impression that God wanted me to quit my job and he was going to provide me the ministry he wanted me to work in. And we were talking about that. And then the pastor called and said, there was this opportunity. He says, I'm not really sure what you do. I don't know who you are, but I feel like God wants me to work for you. 
<laughs> and that's how we got Uma as our director in India, and he's continuing to uh, serve uh, these uh, now almost 14 years later. Wow. And, and so I feel like that it, we must be spirit led in that. The, the second thing I would say is that God gave us a brain and good experience to know what's a good endeavor to go to and what's not. And uh, so we do vetting and we have criteria that we have that we, we look at opportunities and we weigh different things and we visit. And then, and even after we make a decision to pursue, um, we test out for a while to see that things are going to go well before we make that ultimate long-term commitment to a, to an area. But there's so much need and so many opportunities. That's not the issue. I mean, there's need in our backyard in our own cities and, and communities. Uh, the, the question is, are you willing to serve and just, and really just praying that God will lead you and trust him. He'll lead you where he wants you to go. Yeah. I think that one of the, the, the takeaway for our listeners there, we really follow your heart because when you sit in quiet and you're meditating on the word or whatever, who, who, where does your heart yearn for? Who, who out there in the world, uh, are you, is your heart yearning to be able to help? I think that would be a good way for people to kind of start on if they're looking for that first step or the next step in their their faith walk and service to others is trust your heart because uh, God will place the right thing in your heart to, to move forward with. One of the things on your profile as I was reading um, on your on your website that you said that really caught my attention. It's amazing thing when your passion can become your life's work. And for some people like you and I, it has become our life's work. Um, for other people, it might not be our, their profession, mm -hmm. but it still can be their life's work. Um, can I explain that a little bit? Well, and I, I do consider it just an amazing blessing that the Lord allowed, you know, what I love to do, orphan work, and make it my full-time job, um, where most people don't have that privilege. So I don't take that for granted. I, I really feel blessed to be, have been able to do that my whole career. Um, I would say that, that um, uh, you know, I feel like people that are volunteers for us, that um, they're part-time, you know, that have to, that are, are in other professions, doctors, engineers, whatever it is. It's amazing to me to see how they may go on one mission trip a year, but they get more fulfillment out of the ministry time they spend than they do their, their, their day job to make a living. Mm -hmm. And the two can go hand in hand and, uh, and get so much joy and make such a difference. I think, I think there's, a, there's a part of people that think, well, I can't give it full-time work, so it's not worth doing. That if I go on a mission trip, what possible difference can I make on a, on a week-long mission trip? And, and I, I, I usually go back to, to an event that happened to me uh, back in Russia when I was, uh, I went to a, a ministry site that, that we weren't working in directly. It was um, the bombings in Moscow had just happened in the late 90s and my plans got disrupted and there happened to be another mission group there that I knew the president of the organization. And so he invited me to go to, uh, to, on the, to this orphanage 
uh, because I, my plans were disrupted. And I said, yeah, why not? So I went there. And usually if I go to a ministry site, I'm having to do questions and work. And, you know, you got this whole agenda and you don't get to spend as much time with the kids as you want to. Well, this time I had nothing to do except play with kids. So I played with kids all day for several, several days. And it was this one girl, little girl, 10 years old, Natasha, that was there that, as you know, happens, you know, certain kids will, will latch on to you. And she did. And, and every day, you know, I was there playing with her and her sister, Ira. And, um, and so because I didn't work at that orphanage and it was kind of out of the way, I stopped by a couple times after when I had a chance to see Natasha and Ira, but I really didn't have a lot of contact, but I would make sure to make contact with them. And I would write them notes every now and then, but over the years, I just lost contact. And so a few years ago, I happened to be in that region and uh, and we were driving in and the, the lady who I was working with, I, um, I asked her if she knew uh, Natasha and Ira at all. And she said, oh yeah, I know them. I said, well, what's happening with them? Give me an update. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me and, and, uh, and I said, well, is there a possibility I could see them? She said, well, yeah, I think we're driving right by their apartment. So, and so we, you know, she called them, they said yes, and we headed to their apartment. But then I'm like, well, when I get there, are they even remember me? I mean, this was, they were 10 years old when I first uh, knew them. Now they're 20. Okay. Yeah. This is 10 years, a decade later. And uh, so I go up the stairs and, you know, what uh, the, the apartments are like in the former Soviet Union dark, dingy, and cold, and knock on the door. And uh, Natasha comes out to greet me, and she's this tall, beautiful young lady and hugs me, and, you know, we're both tearing up, and an amazing reunion, you know, and to see them grown up was just, you know, amazing. It was like time warp from 10 years old to 20. And uh, so she wanted me to show me her apartment. So we did. And we get up there and there's this bookshelf in her room that has photographs on it. And on her bookshelf is a picture of me and her that she had kept for 10 years. (laughs) 10 years. That is so cool. And I, and, and, you know, it just made me realize, we talk about relationship and connection and these kids yearning, what difference can you make? You know, I visited Natasha just a few times and showed her that she's lovable, that, that she's valuable, that, you know, during that time I had with her and she hung on to that memory for 10 years. Uh, that's That's the difference you can make. And so, you know, even though you've got a full-time job and you're doing something totally different, there's time for mission and, and you can have an impact on, a, on another person's life uh, in the midst of day-to-day living. So, yeah. so between your, your whole time, so I know a little bit of your history, but as you knew, you were thinking about going into uh, to seminary, if I recall right, or you thought you were heading that direction and another opportunity opened up to work with Buckner and the, was there a defining moment? I know for some people there's a defining moment in which you know that you're on the right course. Some people, you know, it maybe happens over time, but was there a defining moment for you? Yeah, there uh, definitely was. And, um, 
when when I was in seminary, you know, I became a believer when I was 20 at college and and uh, and really I was so enthusiastic and I was studying God's word and I really want to commit myself to ministry. And that means a pastor, you know, and so that's the direction I wanted to go and went to Dallas Theological Seminary to study to be a pastor. But before that, all my experience was in working with children. My undergraduate was in juvenile delinquency and you know, I'd spent a lot of time working in that area and, and actually worked my way through seminary doing that, that work. Um, but then as I came closer to seminary, um, Lord gave me an opportunity to go to Buckner and I prayed about it. My wife prayed about it. And we really felt like the pastor wasn't the direction God wanted me to go. It was, it was really in working with orphans, take, taking my passion to work with vulnerable children and my ministry training and, and go that direction. But then our daughter, um, Janine was born on July 4th, 1985. And she had a genetic disorder uh, called uh, trisomy 18 or Edwards syndrome. And it's, it's fatal in most infants. They uh, very few live to even 10 years old. And, uh, but uh, not to, we don't have time for the full story, but, but Janine, uh, when she was born, was right at the time that Buckner had offered me this position. And I was working at the juvenile department at that time. I was a manager at the juvenile detention center. And um, so Nia was in the hospital and we had a terminally ill child. And, and I hadn't actually gone to Buckner yet. I made the, you know, told them that we were interested. But then the head of the juvenile department called me while we were at the hospital and asked him to meet with me. And she basically offered me a much higher position in the juvenile department that would pay significantly more than Buckner was going to offer, a much bigger position, and said they didn't want to lose me and they, you know, they wanted to offer this opportunity. So I went back to the hospital, I remember, conflicted. And, and because we had a terminally ill child and, and trying to think through all that, and I thought I was really tempted to, to make that decision to stay. And so I went to the Anita's bedside at the hospital and told her what was happening and what the director told me. And she looked at me and she said, well, what's changed? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, what's changed? And I said, well, you know, we have a terminally ill daughter. We don't know how insurance is going to work. You know, is this the time to be changing, you know, a major change in our life? And, and uh, she said, but what's changed? I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, we prayed about this and we had a piece that God wanted you to go there. Don't you think he can, he can provide for us, even though we we're going to make this major change? And of course, after we prayed, we both had a piece. This is the direction I needed to go. And, I, and we did. And, and Janine uh, lived four weeks after I started working at Buckner and passed away. And she died in her arms. And, you know, that whole experience really laid the foundation for me and how I view ministry. Because when Janine was born, the doctor told us all the abnormalities she had. She couldn't blink. Her esophagus didn't attach to her stomach. She had web fingers and web toes. Uh, you know, lots of those disabilities. And I remember 
well, after she passed away and she was at the funeral home and uh, a friend of ours made some booties for her, for her casket. And so Anita asked me to go over and, and put her on her feet. And so I went to the funeral home and they let me in and there I was looking at Janine, just me and her. Of course, tears in my eyes as oh. I'm putting the booties on her feet. But I looked at those web feet and I looked at those web fingers I looked at those eyes that didn't blink. And instead of looking them as disabilities or abnormalities, they brought joy to my heart because that's how God created Janine to, to, to do a work in our life. And I look at these kids that we serve and they're broken. You know, they've gone through horrific things and their special needs and, but God created them uniquely and loves them uniquely. And we have an opportunity to show them just how much he loves them. And so I feel like that period of my life, I could have taken two roads. And the road, if I had taken the juvenile department job would have looked completely different than the experiences that I've had by following where he, he really wanted me to go, despite the fact that when I went back to the judo department, the director looked at me like I was crazy for making that decision. It's the best decision I ever made was to follow where God wanted me to go. And I would have missed out on amazing blessings if I hadn't taken that path. Amen. That's, that's an inspiring story. It's a, it's a somber story. Because uh, I can't imagine losing uh, a daughter or son at that age when they, they got their whole lives in front of them. Um, but like you said, she, she was created for that, to mm -hmm. change your thinking and to guide you to where he wanted you to serve. And so how would you encourage our listeners to discern this? How would you, what tips or takeaway would you give them to help them discern what is God asking them to do in their, and how mission looks in, for their life? Well, I feel like, you know, uh, in various times of my life, when, when I'm trying to figure out where God wants me to go, I have this thing that I want to, Lord, send me a letter in the mail and tell me what to do. And has not done that yet. Um, but I feel like he does lead in a supernatural way. Uh, his spirit uh, communicates with our spirit. In, in, in Romans, I think it's Romans 8, you know, the groanings that we don't understand. And I feel like that he does that. We're connected to him. I also feel like he puts desires in our heart, things that we, that bring us joy. And so I feel like follow your passion. If, if really discern and pray, make sure that you're not doing it from wrong motivation and, you know, you're going to get more out of it than, you know, there's a lot of, you have to really know yourself, but if God's put a joy in your life, something that you really love to do, then see how we can make that ministry, you know, and I had a real passion for whatever reason to help kids and God made that my life's work and he guided me along the way. And I don't think that I just made up because, Oh, I like that. I think God put that passion in me. He put that desire in me. And I feel like all of us have that. I think the God does that. And, you know, you can go down one path and, and go, you know, this is not for me. And that's okay. Because, you know, it's that God may want you to go down that path. So you know that, 
<laughs> you know, and he tend, then he can take you somewhere else. And I think the other is to have faith that that's true, that God has a plan for you in ministry and, and, that, and to be actively seeking that. Um, you know, there are so many ways to serve. I mean, it just, you know, the fields are ripe for harvest. The workers are few. And, you know, there, you know, but I feel like God does mark our plans ahead of time. It's been my personal life experience that that's true. And uh, I feel like that he's led me where I am right now. I'm serving in places I didn't even know existed, <laughs> you know, so, you know, the, uh, you know, the fact his hand is on, on it is so clear and he does that for every believer. It's not, it, you know, if you're thinking God doesn't have a purpose for me, you're wrong. That's right. God has a purpose for you. And so actively seek it, pray it, pray for it and move forward. You know, don't sit on your hands waiting for the opportunity to come to you, but you actively seek it and God will will lead you. He'll guide you and direct you where he wants you to go. Yeah. So I think to kind of wrap it up and to give a takeaway for people, it really comes back to uh, connection and relationship. You, mm -hmm. If you have that, um, you, you can prosper. But if you don't have that, you're going to, and you're looking for something, you're going to struggle because the world is going to confuse you with messages that'll keep you away from where God wants you to go. So I think that's the consequence of not being in, connected and in, in a relationship uh, with God is that you're going to be living in a confused uh, state with lots of messages that are going to maybe direct you down the wrong path. So mm. I think that's the key takeaway there, Mike, um, for our listeners to think about. Um, so I think we're going to wrap up here. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Tell us a little bit more about Orphan Outreach, where people can go to get some additional information on what amazing work you guys are doing and, and things like that. Yeah, uh, just go to our website, www.orphanoutreach.org. Uh, it's uh, you know, everything you would want to know about us and more is, is on the website. Also our Facebook, Facebook page and, and, uh, and it shows you very concrete ways you can get plugged in if you want to get plugged in. And uh, we, we love everybody who wants to become part of our, our ministry family. It's, uh, it's, we, we, uh, it's just a joy to be able to be working with all the people uh, that we work with. We're in eight different countries. So there's lots of different ways you can plug plug into those eight different countries. But I would say, you know, whether or not you connect to Orphan Outreach or not, I mean, obviously your ministry is a great ministry. I'm on the board of the Christian Alliance for Orphans and we have a whole ministry family there. There are so many places to plug in. And I feel like, you know, if people, you know, look at the places that you're thinking about and really get to know them before you jump in, to make sure they're a good match for you. And so Orphan Outreach may not be a good match, but there may be another one that's a perfect match. That's right. We're joyful as long as you get plugged in. The other thing I would say is that really consider intentional orphan ministry. Um, you know, God in the Old Testament uh, was very clear that he's the father of the fatherless. And in the New Testament, he defines Christianity as caring for widows and orphans in their distress. He wants the church to be intentional, intentional about serving orphans and vulnerable children. And, uh, and I know he, he calls individuals in that ministry. So uh, I just challenge any churches that are involved in this 
to ask the question, do we have an intentional orphan ministry in our church? Are we filling that mandate? Many times orphan care is seen as missions light and church planning, evangelism, and all that is kind of the top, top of the list. Um, I, I, would, I would challenge you to say that it's all that is, is important to God's eyes. And so the, to, to look at a way to partner with an organization that can have impact on kids' lives is really important. Yeah, I know we're, we're a big advocate, another Child Foundation, big advocate of Orphan Sunday. Uh, that's part of the mm-hmm. Christian Alliance for yes. Orphans. And uh, it's, a great, it's a great way to get your church involved. And I think we're going to wrap up here, Mike, with a, a quote that I got from your website. It says, good enough is not enough. That's the standard Christians should have for orphans. We're going to be a voice for these kids and advocate for best practices. We're going to get criticized, but we're going to do what's in the best interest of these kids. Amen. So I want to thank you, Mike, for your, for your time here today. And, and that's all the time we have today. And in the show notes, we're going to have some of the uh, links that Mike just um, suggested that you go to visit. And then we'll also have a short a link to a short survey that you can take to help you identify the skills and passion God has placed into you and where you can use them. And just, just like Mike has done. So it's a simple survey. And when you're done, you'll get a personalized mission, mission action plan just for you. So until next time, live for Jesus and speak life into others. Peace. Thank you. This has been a Mission Focused Life with Tim Olofsson. Find us online at missionfocusedlife.com as well as on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash missionfocusedlife. You can subscribe to the video version of this show on YouTube and the audio version on Spotify as well as anywhere you get your podcasts.